Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Now, streaming now at KDOW.biz and Radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Black your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Am I understating this? It's election day and it kind of feels like, thank God it's Friday. It's almost like I've been working all week long and now, and now this is almost like all month long or all year long. It feels like it's been a long time coming. Trump or Biden stocks to buy for any outcome. We'll talk about that and more today. Stocks are advancing as Americans head to the polls. I don't really want to compare Biden and Trump's tax plans. I want to boil it down for you and tell you. Biden truly looks to take a little bite out of the wealthier, the high earners, the 400,000 plusers, and give more credits. Credits are a way of not cutting taxes on money that people don't have but by giving them cash benefits for something that they do need. So tax credits are the way to probably, and again, I'm getting way too political, way too fast, probably help the middle class and the lower class out the best in the United States. Again, uh, if you do a tax cut from zero to zero, that doesn't help much. A lot of people don't pay taxes in the United States, and um, they still need help. Stocks are advancing. Hmm. Um, there is going to, let's, let's, how do I say this? Okay. I started writing some notes down. Calm before the storm. Yesterday was a nice day. Today was a nice day, or it's looking to be nice. The U.S. election is right here, right now. The S&P futures are above where they were stuck at for the very short term. If you look at it, um, in the last couple of days, we've kind of gone up, kind of gone down, but now we're going a little further up. So we're breaking out. We're getting a little bit more positive now that it's election day. That's the super short term. Let's see how – I think the next couple of days, and I, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here, it could be a storm of rhetoric. It could be a, 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 a tsunami 
of fact-checking, the election results, which is likely to cause plenty of day-to-day angst, as well as intraday volatility in the markets, throw in plenty of companies reporting their earnings along with employment uh, issues that are being reported. So we're kind of in earnings season. We're kind of going to see the first uh, report on jobs in October, uh, from October for November. And then we get the election results and we're going to get this intraday volatility and rhetoric and bluster and you kind of feel there, it, the word is uncertain is that what I'm boiling it down to. It's uncertain market conditions. And the market tends to thrive on certainty. But when there's uncertainty, it creates volatility. The volatility can be we're up 400 points one day, down 400 points the next. There's something called a volatility index, VIX. And if you want to know the charts that I look at, that I look at every day, I'm not really a chartist and I don't play one on radio. But I certainly will look. Uh, I look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, ticker symbol DIA. I look at the Spider 500, ticker, uh, that's the SP 500, ticker symbol SPY. I look at the NASDAQ, ticker symbol QQQ. I take a look at the Russell 2000, IWM, the 10 year Treasury Index, the US dollar. I take a look at oil. I take a look at gold. I take a look at the volatility, uh, I said the volatility index. Yeah, I said the volatility index. VIX. Um, and that's probably about it. I can take a look at the Morgan Stanley World Countries Index to see how that's doing on a trading range in the last you know six months, a year. Try to put some bands around it to see like, oh, we're holding a lot of support when things get rough right here. Or we can't really seem to get above... We've tried to get above this level of 160 on the Russell 2000 two or three times, and the third time we finally smashed through it. So it looks like a breakout, which should continue, but that's when charting starts to fail me, to be quite honest with you. That's about as far as I'll go on that one. So I do start my day every day in a very similar um, fashion. And uh, I think it helps. Wall Street likes certainty. And the next few days are going to have a lot of rhetoric and a lot of fact-checking. And neither of those two things have any sort of certainty tied towards them. Um, that's what you should expect as an investor for the next couple of days. So if you are buying individual stocks, you should pay attention to the individual stocks for sure. If you're buying the overall stock market, I think you can take some comfort in knowing that this stock market isn't facing uncertainty for the first time. It happens all the time. It's not facing political uncertainty for the first time. It's pretty consistent over our 200-year history, 200-plus year history as a country. Um, We've seen far greater challenges than the pandemic. But I think it's fair to say that where we thought we would be now versus where we thought we were going to be, where we are now versus where we thought we were going to be six, seven months ago, it's it's totally not right in our heads. So we feel like it's been mismanaged. Um, energy stocks have been very, very bearish. And it brings up a question of, are they investments if the Republicans maintain control of the Senate or the presidency? The, there's probably some truth to that. 
again, you don't base your whole, I'm going to buy it because of this. But you start to figure out how Wall Street runs into Main Street slash Congress and the presidency. And that's one. Energy stocks. I think it's fair to say that if Trump and the Senate stay Republican, probably energy stocks are a great idea. I think if Biden and the Senate go blue, I think solar stocks are probably a great idea. It's not offensive for you to have that conversation in your head. So that tomorrow or the next day or the next day, you have like a thesis that you've built, a concept that you feel comfortable with. So far, so good in the month of November. We're in our second day of November, and woohoo, nothing but up. Um, stocks extend the rebound on election day. Financial stocks are outperforming. I'm going to have to scratch at that to try to figure that out, other than maybe general, we feel we're going to get through this. Um, PayPal is a bit of a loser today, down 6%. We'll talk about that as the day goes on, because that's one of those companies that is in the crosshairs of earnings season right now. What can I say? It seems that there's a good mood, despite a lot of coronavirus headlines that are very negative right now. One of the ones that I was reading today, Dr. Burks, or no, it's Dr. Scott Godley. He said the U.S. could be looking at a thousand deaths a day for a long time couple months. He says, that's pretty grim headlines. Um, hospital utilization is higher at this point in time than a couple weeks ago. And people are dying at a pretty healthy clip. So even if we get through this election, we're going to have some other things to get through. Short term, the election is going to be rhetoric and fact checking. The pandemic short term is going to be frustrating high number of deaths in the headlines. Sometime in mid-November, late November, early December, we should start seeing vaccine results that look promising so far. So you start building a thesis right now, so you're prepared. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I kind of want to say some things that are not quite as obvious because I think the obvious is election, election, election right now. There's a new Xbox coming out November 10th. That should help the Christmas season. I know you're saying you're really stretching, aren't you? You want to talk politics, you can't help it. Um, well, I do find it interesting that a lot of 2020 is coming down to November and December. For all of what COVID has been in our lives since March, the markets haven't caved and the markets haven't taken off. I'd say large cap tech has done a really nice job. But Recently, in the last month, large cap tech is hitting the news with selling. So if Apple reports news about, hey, we uh, here's our quarter, it's being sold off. So they're not able to rally just to rally. It no longer feels like everyone who's on Robinhood wants to own Apple and Amazon and Google and Facebook. It feels like the popular stocks have 
I'm not going to say lost their popularity, but they've lost a little leadership. So when we see the financials lead today, you're like, oh, leadership's important on Wall Street. I think leadership is one of those things that um, <clears throat> it's, it shouldn't be underestimated. And that's something you can you know, teach your kids about when it comes to, hey, look at that coach. Do you think he would be a good teacher? Look at that teacher. Do you think he'd be a good boss? Um, leadership's important, and it, success or failure starts at the top. My belief, and the easiest way to explain it to people from California, um, and even Washington, D.C., is, is the football teams there. Washington, D.C. used to have an owner named Jack Kent Cook who appeared on many levels to be a good man. Now, I was a young man, and I, can't, I really can't tell you that to be true. He may have uh, punched people. He may have had 10 wives. The, behind the scenes, we didn't have as many digital cameras as we do today. And I'm totally slandering him, and I shouldn't. Um, I don't know. I, I assume he was a great guy. Um, but he hired good people. He had a general manager, Charlie Casterly, who was kind of a, a football nerd. He had a coach, um, Joe Gibbs, who was super religious and a good man, and players liked playing for him, and he was a smart coach. And They, they went dominant in the 80s. They, they won many, many games because the owner said, here's a blank check. Go do what you got to do. That's before the NFL started getting salary caps. Just win is what he wanted to do. <clears throat> And Jack and Cook had this crazy voice. He's like, by God, we are a great football team. He always looked like a grandfather's grandfather cliche. Same thing could be said for the San Francisco 49ers. I, I don't know their history as well. But someone, Eddie DeBartolo Jr. or the A, he doesn't have as good of a legend. <laughs> Something went bad there and he went to jail. But it appeared that he paid his people well. He paid his coaches well. And he got out of the way and let them do it, their job. Um, success or failure starts at the top. We can learn that lesson together. Um, so if you ever own a company, and one of the things I used to do was say, who's, who's the CEO of Microsoft? And it was no longer Bill Gates, but everyone thought it was Bill Gates. He had resigned the CEO position, became chairman. And everyone would say, Bill Gates, I'm like, you really shouldn't be buying this company because it's a guy named Steve Ballmer. Um. And that's where individual stocks get a little bit more tricky. I want you, to, and again, this is none of my business, but I don't want you to look at it as Robin Hood of, oh, I can buy this and sell this. I want you to do a little bit of homework on it. I want you to be intimate with it. Not like that, but you get the idea. A lot of people rush into things. I mentioned yesterday that I've recently bought two stocks, and sure enough, listeners emailed me and said, what's two stocks you buy? I'm like, I'm not, I can't legally tell you that. Like. I'm not in the business of giving you my ideas. I'm in the business of helping you develop your ideas. I tell you what I'm doing after I've done it and when I'm in the process of it. Like in the first segment, I talked about Amazon and Apple and Google not leading anymore. And I happen to own Apple and Google, for instance. Um, a couple months ago, I said, hey, I'm selling off some of my Apple. I'm feeling like it's getting very big and it's going to be tougher for it to get very bigger. Um, depending on who wins the election, if I'm thinking capital gains taxes go higher, I may sell off more this year. Um, if I feel capital gains taxes are going to go lower, I may hold on to more this this time. Like There are ramifications to politics, and there are ramifications. Uh, I don't want to 
I'd, I'd rather teach you to fish than give you my fish. I don't know that helps or if you're like, you're just a jerk. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> Contact CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com if you want to know what to do. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, money investing and more. Stocks have extended the rebound on election day. Um, it's going to be very tough to get away from it. I was talking to my producer. I'm like, so what are you going to do? Are you going to watch? He goes, yeah, I'm going to have three TVs on, man. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking about having dinner with my children, watching them play soccer together, going out on the field afterwards and roughing them up. Because while they're practicing soccer, they're not getting roughed up. And then I'm thinking about coming home, instantly going to my office, play some video games. It's about 9 or 10 o'clock, coming out and seeing what happened. Something tells me I'm going to be watching the results come in, right? What are you going to be doing? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. The Dow has surged over 500 points as America is choosing their president today. The steel industry has been in the news crying for help beyond Trump tariff. Band-Aid as they refer to it. Um, that's a good question. And you know, I, always, I started the segment by talking about leadership and how important it is in stocks and in life. Um, should we continue to support an industry that was important to our country 100 years ago, 80 years ago, that the jobs there aren't high paying? It's an important product to have in your economy. Jobs, um, U.S. Steel's annual profit more than doubled in 2018 when the 25% tariffs Trump introduced in March 2018 gave a brief jolt to the American steel producers. Um, jobs came back. So the tariffs kind of worked for the steel companies. But should our nation be prioritizing you know, re-educating our population? Um, or should we be supporting industries that are dying? When 80 years ago, U.S. Steel was a company – um, it was a technology. I know it's tough to imagine because it doesn't have 5G steel built in. Tariffs aren't a long-term solution, in my opinion. They're a Band-Aid. Um, steel jobs are still 10% lower than they were uh, in the middle of 2019. So it's an industry that we keep throwing money at that's not really self-sustaining. Should we as a nation subsidize an industry that, that really doesn't fit into the world anymore? In the 1920s, 1940s, we were the guys who could make it. No one else, they're like, how do you make steel? We are building buildings out of sticks and mud. Not quite, but we were building bridges out of hay. I'm exaggerating a bit, but... Steel used to be a technology. Why are we holding on to it at this point in time when anyone can do it? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. It's election day. Check out newfocusfinancial.com for some articles on what to do with stocks during the election. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. 
One of the things that I like about what's happening right now is people are having tougher conversations or maybe more mature conversations. The politics are heating it up, but I think people are having a little bit more substantial conversations due to COVID and political scenario than, say, who's going to win the Super Bowl. A lot of people are losing interest in sports, it appears, according to the television ratings, um, because maybe more pressing things are on their mind. The health of their family and the wealth of their family. The middle class built the United States, in my opinion, and yet they have almost no say in the elections, it feels like, if they don't get out and vote. I'm stoked by voter turnout, whether it be Republican or Democrat, I'm stoked. Um, we should care as a country. And every state is a little bit different, so I can't speak for the other states. Um, I hate the prop system in the United States, in California. But I think voters should get out and vote. So the question is, in four years, will people get out and vote on the same level? Or is it just the perfect storm right now to get people to care? There's going to be a lot of disinformation. Um, COVID resurgence in Europe has me concerned about our stock market. Notice I didn't say Biden or Trump. Notice I didn't say U.S. COVID cases, but the COVID cases in Europe. Now, here's a weird, odd little thing. And I was listening to a podcast where a billionaire was talking and he goes, the COVID resurgence in Europe will be good for the United States in the short term. I'm like, oh, where is he going with this? He's like, if they put business restrictions on where they can't leave their home, they can't fly, they can't go country to country, then the United States, who is still relatively open in many of the markets of the United States, in many of the states of the United States, in certain portions of the United States that were relatively open, we could steal business was his premise, but he said, in the long term, my concern is that the elevation of the number of, of diagnoses leads to an elevation in the number of hospitalizations or deaths, which leads to we need to protect the herd and tell people to stay in so we can get those initial diagnoses down um, and we can stop spreading. Um, this is a scary time for a lot of people. And for me, the notion of Europe shutting down mathematically should lead to the United States shutting down because we're a little bit behind them in the surges, kind of like we were a little bit behind Italy and Spain back in March. But their positive cases testing went up. Ours went up. Um, and they're, they're dealing with the fallout of it now. And what I'm worried about or concerned about is any more shutdowns. Um, am I worried about rampant death? Probably. That's not good. But I think the economic shutdown is the um, the Grinch potentially here. But then again, I, I'm like, there's an Xbox coming out. People are going to buy it. If they have money, they're going to buy it. If they have money. Which brings us to stimulus. Whoever wins the election in theory today... The next phase, as the the results kind of slow down a little bit, as the ripple effect starts to, to be a little bit more calm, will be focused on stimulus. And I would say Republican Senate with Democrat House of Representatives and Democrat President, I get the feeling Mitch McConnell is going to be, be not, how shall we say, 
blank check here, guys. Go out and spend it. But he's going to be very, oh, we got to protect the deficit now. Whereas he's probably more of a deficit hawk than um, the White House or the House of Representatives right now. So that would be a concern is that we underwhelm at our next level of stimulus. But again, I'm thinking a little bit past that at this point. Again, that might be a $500 billion stimulus or $4 trillion. <laughs> That's a pretty big swing, right? Oh, boy. Uh, final push. I kind of like it. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uber and Lyft rally today as analysts say California's Prop 22 is likely to win. I don't have a lot of feelings on Prop 22. Um. It's. I think we all have so much political capital in our head, and I don't want to spend mine on Prop 22. Ride-sharing companies have basically spent $200 million to support Prop 22. They want their employee they, – whoops, don't say that. They want their contractors to drive around for them and not really get a lot of healthcare access and not really get a lot of support with uh, situations like if they get in an accident and, and can't work. They want people to help them with their business, but they don't want to invest in the people per se. And again, the counter argument is, well, you're letting a housewife in, in uh, Fremont, California, decide that she drops her kids off at school and she can drive around you know, four or five trips, get an extra 50 bucks in her pocket, help her family meet financial goals. I get it. Like I said, I don't have a lot invested mentally in this one, but I do know – that this is the biggest prop figure since the $154 million spent in 2008, which was related to gambling on American Indian reservations. <laughs> now, you're just saying California spends a lot of money on Indian reservation gambling and, and ride-sharing companies? Yes, that's us. Um, the group that wanted to defeat Prop 22 wasn't as well-funded. So it kind of concerns me a little bit, but Uber and Lyft should get a bit of a benefit from this is what I'm trying to get at long winded. I'm sorry, but it's been a year since we've heard about Prop 22 and we're like, wait, wait, what's happening? The state of California wants to penalize, not penalize these companies, but take a lot of their incentive away, take a lot of their profit away. Um, essentially, if you're a Lyft or Uber driver, you're a low cost labor to somebody like Lyft or Uber um, because they're not paying all the full benefits of that they would pay to you as an employee. The state of California wants to be an employee so that you know the state doesn't have to give you the benefits in case you get a car accident, can't work, and you get disability. Um, I get it. I get it. But it does, in my opinion, show me that a lot of this is bought and paid for. Um, and that's disconcerting, right? And there's nothing we can do about it. We keep talking about changing this when we can't. AMC said yesterday they seek more cash. It's confirmed its third quarter loss. AMC, big movie theater company. Man, oh man, when I was a kid, I wanted nothing to do but go see movies. The big screen was magic, right? Seeing AT on the big screen, you felt like childhood's really worth this. This is awesome. Raiders of the Lost Ark. To a much lesser extent, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> to even a lesser extent, Saw, Saw 1, Saw 2, Saw 3, Saw 4, Saw 5. Uh, but the theater used to be magical, and now I go, I got a big TV. 
And it's actually one of the areas where I'll splurge a little bit because I'd, I'd much rather watch a movie at home than at a movie theater. At this point in my life, it's parking and then your car gets dinged and then like, you know, there's punks in the parking lot and they're acting up and you're like, oh, I hope my kids don't end up like, I don't like going out. I stress. But AMC Entertainment is saying they need cash again and they may issue shares. Okay. I refer to that as a civil war. And on a day like today when we're going to the polls and voter intimidation and how angry Republicans are at Democrats in Marin County, the Democrats got super angry at Trump supporters uh, with flags in their truck. And like they came to blows. And I'm like, this is a civil war. It's not like uh, brother versus brother, north versus south. But it's kind of like that. I look at civil wars happening also in stocks at times. Um, I want nothing to do with investing in AMC. They got problems. They got cash flow problems. They got debt problems. They've got when do they open up to blockbuster problems. They got when do blockbusters come out problems. There's too much drama there. And in investing, I'd rather not get into the drama. Um, so I get people saying – Wow, I can make a lot of money because look how cheap the stock is. It's $2.39. If it just goes to $4, I've almost doubled my money. And you look at a $400 stock and you're like, it would have to go to $800 for me to almost double my money. There's no difference. There's no difference. It's just as easy for a $400 company to go to $800 as it is a $4 to go to $8. But psychologically, we're not mostly wired that way. Oh, American put in their house in order, huh? Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So I don't like civil wars. I'm giving you a lot of lessons today. I like uh, companies that have less drama. I like companies that have good leadership. I think that should help you win in the long run. One of the things that I'm having real difficulty valuing is... What value would a vaccine have to a company like a Pfizer? Pfizer fabricates pharmaceuticals. That's a lot of... Um, They've got a pivotal trial for COVID-19. Cantor Fitzgerald said they see three possibilities for the stock, which was up about 1% yesterday, on how the vaccine news could, could change the shares. They're seeing a $9 swing in the price of the stock. They're not seeing like, oh, it'll double from here. They're seeing a $9 swing. If the, if the vaccine succeeds, they think instantly five more dollars. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, if it flops, that would hurt the stock by about $4 a share. So now go take a look at Pfizer and see how you think about that's the vaccine positive and negative scroll. Check me out at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of good downloadables and articles on the elections. Check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, 
frame things. Sometimes I'm clearly not going to get the right messaging. I'm doing a show that kind of makes me look like a Buddha on the mountain. But sometimes I'm not going to say the right thing when you pass by on a hike. Just know that going in, okay? Um, I'm a little bit caught up in losing focus right now on what we typically talk about. This time last year, pre-COVID, late in election season, but or maybe the election season was just getting started, we were probably talking about how Americans aren't saving enough for retirement. You know, there's some statistics out there about how much Americans have saved during the uh, pandemic. And that's good news and bad news. And when I see something like that, it it makes me want to explain a little bit where I'm coming from to see if we're on the same page. Americans have saved an extra $1.3 trillion since the pandemic. What to do with it? What will happen to it? Now, on one hand, I'm like, yay, good job, Americans. You're saving. Woo! On another side, I'm like, uh, you need to go help the economy. Those businesses are shutting down. Well, we can't help the economy. We can't go to those businesses. Those are the ones that are shutting down. Um, the coronavirus has kept Americans home and pushed the federal government to distribute almost a trillion dollars in income support. Americans have saved an extra $1.3 trillion. I don't think there's a complete correlation there. But I have heard someone that I work with say, if we get another stimulus check, can you help me invest? I'm like, I think it's meant to like tie you over, but sure. Um, and I get it. So that $1.3 trillion, we're saving, I'm happy. We're not spending it, I'm bitter. That brings me to, at some point in time, we will either invest it or spend it. It won't sit in cash earning 0%, not for long. Sometimes people go to cash. Sometimes people save in cash type of investments like a bank account. Cash equivalent, as some people would call it. But one thing I do know is that, A, we don't have enough money saved for retirement, and B, we are a consumer nation. And that money will get be put to work. So I would say that there's $1.3 trillion of stimulus, whether it's buying stocks or consuming goods. I think that's sitting right there waiting for us. And I think the United States government will do another trillion-dollar package. I'm hoping, because to me, one of my big concerns right now is unemployment is stubbornly high. It will not be a V-shaped recovery in employment numbers. Some businesses shut down. Some people will forevermore say, you know, hey, I can get by with 10 staff versus 15. There will be some ramifications from the shutdown that linger. I hope the next level of stimulus is just a, a jumbo infrastructure plan. Whether it be get us to the moon, build rockets or build roads or build faster internet, build something. Show that America is great. Make the best hospitals in the world again. Build something. Because when you build something, you put real people to work. And it's not just the construction people. It's not just the commodities people, the steel and the co uh, copper people. But if you build a bridge, you eventually put workers in city planning, you know, oh, we got to check on the bridge. And if you build an office building or a hospital, you put nurses and doctors in them. Like The economic 
impact is pretty cool on infrastructure projects. Um, so Americans have cut their consumption dramatically. Part of what's happened is that the higher income people who are most likely to keep their jobs while working at home are also the people most likely to slash their spending on virus-sensitive categories like dinners out, trips to the dentist. They were effectively forced to save because it stopped being safe to go out. Okay. There's a lot of money on the sidelines, and there's a lot of mentality that stay home, save lives. I, I Am I forever damaged to go into a movie theater? I don't. I think so. <laughs> I don't know if I ever want to go to a movie theater again. Uh, or at least I'm thinking that way, and that's damaging on, on spending. Let's talk about rainy day funds. I believe in rainy day funds, and it's really a tough concept when you're younger, but it's something you need to teach your kids, is that they should have two to six months of emergency money in case they lose a job during a pandemic. I know you're saying, that's a crazy example. I know. It was before last year, right? Um, the surge in savings explains why CARES Act money and the Federal Reserve's lending programs haven't led to higher consumer prices. So when we get trillions of dollars thrown into our economy and super low cost of money, it should lead to inflation if we use that cheap money and free stimulus money and spend it. But we're not necessarily spending it. We're saving more. So inflation's not there. So here's a fear, and it's a small one, but it's, it's a fear, that when we do unlock that $1.3 trillion in, in savings, and when we do get our next round of stimulus, depending on how much goes to the consumer versus how much goes to tax credits versus how much goes to the states, we, we could see a spike in inflation as we start unlocking our wallets buying consumer goods that lead to higher consumer prices due to scarcity issues, supply and demand. Um, it's fascinating, right? It's kind of a teeter-totter of there's no right answer. So it's a teeter-totter from hell. So it spins left and right and goes up and down. And like You don't necessarily feel a lot of um, consistency with it right now. Like We should be seeing inflation, but we're not. But we could when the purses start opening back up. Hmm. It's election day. I'd sing a song, but I don't think there's a lot of rockabilly songs or, I don't know. Facebook's up, Amazon's up, Microsoft's up, industrials are up, consumer discretionary's up. A lot of up, you see what I'm saying? The last two months, we've taken a lot of steam out of the, lot, out of the market, which is good in case things boil over. But leaves a lot of questions. You can find me online at Rob Black's show or newfocusfinancial.com. 